From Maine Public Radio and mainepublic.org, I'm Robbie Feinberg with the news on this day in Maine, Wednesday, February 28, 2024. This Day in Maine is made possible by listeners and by Eastern Basements, a division of Maine-owned Eastern Mold Remediation. Offering crawl space repairs and waterproofing, easternbasements.com. Democrats in the Maine legislature on Wednesday introduced a slate of gun safety bills in response to the mass shootings in Lewiston last fall. As Steve Missler reports, one bill complements parts of a sweeping proposal put forward by Democratic Governor Janet Mills last week, while another advances a waiting period for firearm purchases that Democrats blocked just last year. The package of legislation hits an assortment of policy areas while attempting to navigate the tricky politics of guns in a state rich in hunting tradition and gun ownership. One bill builds on the governor's proposal to create a network of crisis centers for people experiencing mental health issues, while another creates a three-day waiting period for most firearm sales. Taken together, the proposals try to inoculate Democrats from one claim by gun rights activists that has traditionally sunk gun safety legislation in Maine. We're not taking people's guns away. Senate President Troy Jackson repeated that line several times during a press conference at the State House on Wednesday. Jackson has received high ratings from the NRA and the Sportsman's Alliance of Maine, and he has long steered clear of bills that might mobilize gun rights activists. He says the Democrats' proposals are not about confiscating guns or banning certain types, such as the assault-style weapon used by the Lewiston gunman in October. The idea was to get people to help or make sure those people don't get the weapons beforehand. To that end, the bills the Democrats introduced centered largely on preventing gun violence rather than the accessibility of guns. That's true of a proposal by Senator Ann Carney of Cape Elizabeth to add Maine to the group of 15 states that prohibit so-called bump stocks, a modification made to a semi-automatic firearm to make it fire almost as rapidly as an automatic weapon. So rather than listing specific types of devices that are prohibited, the amendment focuses on how the firearm and the device work together. Bump stock bans were first introduced by President Donald Trump, after a mass shooting in Las Vegas in 2017 that resulted in the death of 60 people. But that hasn't stopped some gun rights groups from challenging its legality under the U.S. Constitution. In fact, such a challenge was heard by the U.S. Supreme Court on Wednesday. Other legal challenges may await the three-day waiting period bill sponsored by Senator Peggy Rotundo, a Lewiston Democrat who described a city traumatized by a rampage that killed 18 people and wounded 13 others. I want to say that... I come from a community with broken hearts and shattered lives. I come from a community where many people are still afraid to go out in public. The many pieces of legislation they're bringing forward, you know, post-Lewiston, none of these proposals would have made a bit of difference in that incident. Senator Matt Harrington, a Republican from Sanford, questioned the efficacy of the Democrats' bills. And he says the waiting period proposal shouldn't even be allowed under the legislature's rules because lawmakers killed a similar bill just last year. Even the proposal by House Speaker Rachel Talbot Ross centering on mental health initiatives, a frequently cited priority for Republicans, doesn't have adequate funding in his view. I think we definitely need to do more around mental health. I think 
and you know initially looking at the crisis centers I would pr I'd probably be supportive of that I don't think it goes far enough while Republicans have yet to coalesce this session around mental health initiatives that might prevent gun violence Harrington suggested that some aspects of proposals by Governor Janet Mills and Speaker Talbot Ross might garner some GOP support David Trahan director of the Sportsman's Alliance of Maine had a similar assessment the mental health components of that um, uh, some of that we we really like so I'm not going to criticize that component of it. But Trahan says his organization will fight the waiting period proposal, predicting that it will be engulfed in the legal challenges to laws passed by 11 other states, including one recently in Colorado. There's no doubt in my mind if they pass that law, it will be challenged in Maine. Their proposal, like the entire package of gun safety legislation introduced Wednesday, must become law first. And that will largely depend on Governor Mills, who responded by issuing a non-committal written statement through her spokesperson. While Democrats control the legislature, they don't have the votes on their own to override a veto by the governor. Mills will face some pressure from gun safety groups, which widely praise the slate of legislation, even though it doesn't include an assault weapons ban, a priority for activists. Senate President Troy Jackson said such a ban would have been too difficult and possibly lose support from Democrats. I think if we can do uh, these bills, we have a lot better chance to help people that are in crisis. And Jackson says that more gun safety proposals may be forthcoming, depending on the findings of a state commission investigating the Lewiston shootings. The commission is expected to release a preliminary report in early April, which is just weeks before the legislature is scheduled to adjourn for the year. Public hearings on the current slate of proposals will begin next week. For Maine Public Radio News. I'm Steve Missler. In other news, a judge has rejected a settlement in a lawsuit over the state of Maine's failure to provide attorneys to low-income defendants. As Kevin Miller reports, the complex case will now go to trial. For the second time in five months, Superior Court Justice Michaela Murphy has rejected a proposed agreement between the Attorney General's Office and the ACLU of Maine over the state's indigent defense system. Murphy wrote that even the revised settlement lacks any enforcement mechanism to make sure the state is providing low-income defendants with attorneys. And Murphy said the fact that nearly 400 defendants are currently without lawyers shows that the, quote, constitutional crisis is getting worse. Roughly 100 of those defendants are waiting in jail. Carol Garvin, who is legal director at the ACLU of Maine, agrees that it's time to take the issue to trial. And so at this point, you know, we're committed to holding the state accountable for its obligation to make sure that people have counsel appointed when they are accused of crimes and they're um, presumed innocent until proven guilty and have a Sixth Amendment right to counsel. Until recently, Maine was the only state that relied entirely on private attorneys willing to represent indigent clients. The Commission on Indigent Legal Services has started hiring a small team of public defenders with money provided by the legislature. But Chief Justice Valerie Stanfield said last week that those changes will take time to bear fruit. And in the meantime, she fears Maine's indigent legal system could collapse. For Maine Public Radio News, I'm Kevin Miller. Bangor police have charged three people in connection with the death of a 10-year-old child who was taken to a local hospital with life-threatening injuries on the morning of February 18th. 
Police say the child succumbed to his injuries later that night. A post-mortem examination by the chief medical examiner determined the cause of death was homicide. On Wednesday, the child's parents, 33-year-old Joshua Smith and 35-year-old Jen Bean, and paternal grandmother, 56-year-old Misty La Tourette, all of Bangor, were charged with depraved indifference murder. All three have been taken to the Penobscot County Jail. Maine Senator Susan Collins praised fellow Republican Senator Mitch McConnell on Wednesday after he announced that he'll step down from leadership later this year. The 82-year-old McConnell has held a leadership position for longer than any senator in history. In a floor speech, Connell said McConnell will be remembered both for that longevity and for his, quote, unparalleled devotion to the Senate as an institution. I also admired the leader for stepping forward when it wasn't popular to do the right thing for our country and for our world. Collins is one of the few moderate Republicans left in the Senate, while McConnell is a staunch conservative. But the two have found themselves increasingly at odds with other Republicans, closely aligned with former President Donald Trump, who appears poised to once again win the GOP presidential nomination. Child care providers and advocates are pushing back on proposed changes in the governor's supplemental budget that they say could further hobble their industry. One would continue to delay the expansion of the state's child care subsidy program until July. Another change would make a new program that offers a scholarship to child care workers to pay for care for their own children into a two-year pilot. Heather Martin with the Maine Association for the Education of Young Children says that those delays would further challenge an industry in crisis. It's just really hard to keep pushing back that support for families when it literally is costing them thousands and thousands of dollars in that meantime. Lawmakers will decide which provisions make it into the supplemental budget over the coming weeks. And the company that had planned to construct the world's tallest flagpole in Downeast Maine must pay a $250,000 fine for failing to get permits to build cabins in Columbia Falls. Caitlin Bedayan has more. The Board of Environmental Protection voted Wednesday to approve the consent agreement between Worcester Holdings and the Department of Environmental Protection. Under the agreement, the company will pay the fine and submit an after-the-fact permit application by Friday. Over three years, Worcester Holdings built 52 cabins, parking areas, and a restaurant, violating site and erosion control laws and failing to get proper permits. Although the board approved the agreement, some members expressed frustration about how long it has taken to resolve the issue, calling the violations egregious. For Maine Public Radio News, I'm Caitlin Bedayan. And that's today's Maine news. For more stories, visit mainepublic.org. And coming up on Maine Calling at 11 o'clock on Thursday morning, we'll talk with award-winning actor Gabriel Byrne, who's lived in Maine for nearly three years. I'm Robbie Feinberg. Thank you for listening.